0: If you drive, let's start there. If you drive, you remember the day that you got your license? None of you. Okay, maybe some of you. All right. But it was an exciting day because, you know, in one sense, you had this sense of freedom and liberation, didn't you? And then there was another sense that you had this huge responsibility, right? So uh, in my driving experience, I've had several tickets and several accidents, and but there I always – if I remember taking that driver's test, you had to do that in-house, like we used to have kids, we used to have uh, driver's ed in school, okay? So you're going like, uh, okay. So anyway, we had it in school, and then we did it on the road. So there were things that I learned, and then all of a sudden I became a parent, and then I had to teach my child how to drive. So it's one thing to drive, but it's another thing to teach someone else how to drive. Are you with me? Maybe none of you have done that yet, but if you have, uh, if if you were my daughter, you would probably say, I would never ask my dad to teach me to drive again. We should have done driving school. uh, Because I was more like the tense when I was always slamming my foot in the passenger side or grabbing the wheel. Don't tell folks I did that. But um, the reason I share that with you is because when we look at this passage of Scripture today in Psalm 78, we're going to be looking at something that was passed on from generation to generation. Now, mind you, I had, I had to do my learning of how to drive, and then I passed it on to my daughter. Now, she had the same type of education with the books and, and learning, uh, the, the in-class, if you want to call it. But then it was actually me having to teach her. Which would you rather do? Would you rather be just the one to do it or to teach it? You know, who knows? There may be some teachers in here. But when we look at this passage, the writer is going to be talking about there is something so important that we need to learn to pass on to the next generation. And so the message today is simply called Pass It On. And so we're going to look here at Psalm 78, and we're going to get there in just a second. But in our outlines this morning, here's what I want to to communicate to you today, is that as a follower of Jesus, we have the privilege to broadcast God's story. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have the privilege to broadcast God's story. It's something that is exciting for us. We don't do it out of obligation, but we do it out of love for what God has already done for us. Romans 12, uh, excuse me, 10, 12 says, but I asked, didn't people hear the good news? Yes, they heard. As the scripture says, their message went through all the world. Their words go everywhere on earth. And when you think about passing it on, sometimes we want the message of the gospel for someone else to do it. I know someone else is going to do it. I don't need to do that. And a lot of times when we say, well, if somebody else just does it, then we end up in a circle looking at each other and saying, who's done it? And so this is what we want to look at today. But here's the, the good news is that because we have the opportunity to share God's story, it's going to be to those who follow us. It's going to be to those in, uh, in our circle of influence, where we work, where we live, and where we play. And it's important for us to see this in Psalm 78. Because what's, what's interesting is Psalm 78 is the second longest chapter of the book of Psalm. And Psalm 119 is the longest. So we're not going to read all of Psalm 78. But I want to challenge you to read that this week. Because what you're going to see in it, we're just going to look at the first eight verses. But what you're going to see after verse 8 is you're going to see how faithful God was and how unfaithful God's people were. And so that's important for us to learn already just there. And the writer of the psalm is Asaph. And Asaph was essentially a worship leader in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, what he's doing when he begins his speech, if you want to call it, it's almost like a State of the Union address. He's letting Israel know, here's what I want you to remember today. And what he was doing is he was talking about the present and the future goodness of God and his works And how wonderful he was. But he was also saying, remember that God's grace is in this. And so for you and I, when we look at this passage here, we want to take a look at what does this mean for us today. Because this is something that's from generations past. And then we want to look at what does that mean to be a voice in a generation. So if you have your Bibles today, let's turn to Psalm chapter 78. As I said, we're just going to look at the first eight verses this morning. Psalm 78, verses 1 to 8. If you don't have your Bible with you, we're going to have it on the screen here. And it begins in verse 1. And it says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. And We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should be like their fathers. Excuse me, and they, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And so, as I began, I was saying that there was some unfaithfulness with the people of Israel. But yet, through it all, God was always faithful, always has been, always will be. And so as we look at these verses, we begin in verse 1, where the writer Asaph begins by saying, give ear. What he's saying to us today, and he was saying to his audience at that time, was you need to pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Kids, have you ever had your parents tell you pay attention? No? Never? Okay. Wow. All right. But, well, they do. Okay? So I remember it happened to me. And when I would get in trouble, it was Jeffrey Scott. Okay? That's when I knew I was in trouble. But again, he... Asaph wanted to go back and say, look how good God has been. Look at the things he has done. Uh, The Exodus. Let's just think about how he took a nation of people and released them from bondage and slavery to freedom. Think about that. And look how wonderful he is in our lives. And see, Asaph is reminding the people. He said, this is, again, this is coming from the past. This is something that is a heritage of ours. We don't need to forget this. And what he was doing is he was passing it on. And just a side note, the, the term dark sayings, it's, it's actually undoubted truth. Something that is true that is, uh, is without question. So uh, Asaph is not saying, I'm making this up. He is saying, this is what we need to move forward with. Are you with me there? Mm-hmm. So this is very important. And he's saying, listen, there are things in our lives that have been taught to us. Whether good, bad, or indifferent. There are probably habits that you can think back that you saw your parents do that you say, I'll never do that. Or there are things that you saw that your parents modeled that you said, you know what, I'm going to take that with me if I become a parent or as I grow up or grow older. And one of the terms that I learned over the years you know, as a parent was more is caught than taught. Are you with me? I'm talking to you parents specifically. So what, what we're saying here is that you and I can listen to God. We can listen to him, and and we listen to him through his word. It's his very words to us, and we can listen to him and begin to build our lives around the reality of who God is and what he's done for us. And so uh, that's what Asaph was beginning with. He said, we've got to set the stage that this is important for God's people. And just as it was important for God's people then, it's important for God's people today who call themselves followers of Jesus. You know, Asaph goes on in verse 4, and he says, we will not hide. I love him saying that because he says, we are not going to hide what's been taught us. We're not going to keep it from the next generation. You know, working in youth ministry, it was such a great privilege to work with the younger kids because we were able to instill in them the teachings of Jesus. Not just the teachings of Jesus, but the word of God and how to live a Christ-like example wherever you were. And here's, here's the thing. What I would always tell parents is, is that I'm, I'm either going to enforce, or excuse me, reinforce everything you're teaching at home, or I'm going to buck everything you're teaching at home when it comes to the things of God. And so that's what Asaph was saying. He was saying, listen, the next generation is going to know that God was good then, and He's still good now, and He'll be good forever. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And then Asaph goes on to say, here's what we're going to do, and here's what we're not going to do. Because as Asaph goes on here in verse 4, he begins to say, listen, I want the next generation to know this, that God is worthy of our praise. I want the next generation to know that God is powerful, and he can do anything. And finally, I want God, I want them to know that God can still work in their lives today. Isn't that a great thing? Because when we bring our families here, we are making a statement. We are saying that being here in the family of God, with a community of believers, is a priority. It's important. It's not that the things that we do are wrong. It's just saying I'm I'm making sure that we are here in the house of God that we can celebrate God collectively. But I hope at the same time that this isn't your your daily devotion time. That you just come on a Sunday and say I got my fill for the week. But that you're you're taking that time and you're saying this is this is going to be a priority for me because God is important to me because I love Him. And Asaph is. Reminding the people that God just didn't move once in history. God still moves today. Because if God only moved at that certain time in history, you wouldn't be here today. There wouldn't be a Ridgeline Community Church if it wasn't for godly people saying, we want the name of Jesus to be made known and famous in Salatine. And that's what he's doing for us in Norristown. We're saying the kingdom of God, it, we our hearts is for it to rule and reign in so if my attitude was it began just one time and done, then I'm really wasting my time and God's time. Are you with me? So that's what we're seeing here. In your outlines, here's what I want for us to remember with these verses, is that you and I need to listen and share. We need to listen and share. It was that important to Asaph to write, it was, but it was even more important to God. Back, with, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Verses 6 and 7, it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It was so important for God to pass this on to the nation of Israel in in this this prayer called the Shema and saying that this is where it's at. Israel, I want you to know there is one God and it's me. And you're to follow me with your life. And that's, that's what he's reminding, uh, excuse me, that's what ASAP is reminding people of. Uh, I had mentioned just a few moments ago that I was a student pastor for 18 years. But if I could go back as a parent and not rely on the youth ministry to be my child's um, spiritual, uh, how could I put it, spiritual um, upbringing. Now we did things at home, but if, if I could go back, I would do it over and make sure that there was more of that at home than it was at youth group. Are you with me there? And so that, that's what I'm trying to say here today is that we can learn from what Asaph is writing. It just doesn't have to be a Sunday morning thing. That's why Ridgeline has small groups. That's why Ridgeline has a discipleship process in order for you to become more and more like Christ so that you can take that and pass it on to someone else. Now, you may be here today and you say, well, I don't have children. That's okay. It may be the next generation that you invest your life in. We don't have any sons, but God's given me spiritual sons who I'm building into. They're not—they're not my sons by blood, but they're my sons through the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you with me there? And so that's what we're saying. So really, uh, I'm not trying to say you're not doing it right. I'm just saying, you know, let's take the excuses away and begin to pass it on to the next generation. And 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 let me say, next generation—it's not just an age thing; it's a people thing. That's what Asaph's saying: the next generation of God's people, or the next—and now for you and I, with Christ and His work on the cross, we can say. We want to bring along people and walk with them to the kingdom of God. And so I just want to encourage us, let's not neglect to, to do that, to make sure that we're here to celebrate Jesus together on a Sunday, to be a part of a smaller group called Small Groups, to be in the Word of God and to, to connect, because God never created us to do this alone, am I right? Well, I could be, but that's what I've learned, is that we don't have to do this alone, that we can do this together. So let me, let me ask this. Who are you pouring into? Just think about that for a second. Who are you pouring into? Maybe your children, maybe other people in your life. So who are you pouring into? The second is this, is that who is pouring into you? So for, for my life, um, if, if I did this whole church planning thing or being a father or, or a godly husband on my own, I'd be in trouble and my family would be in trouble. And so what I have is I have someone older than me in my life speaking truth into my life who's wiser than me, who has a little bit more years on me. And then I also have those who are younger than me that I can pour into them. Does that make sense? And so that's what Asaph was trying to say. Listen, you need to remember to pour into people. But make sure that people are pouring into you. Remember, we're not doing it alone. We do this together. And in verses five and six, Asaph goes on and he says, he established. Now, who established? Well, it was God. God established his law In Israel, And he was passing it on to the fathers. So this is important. Uh, As I was thinking about Father's Day next week. Like there is a heritage, a spiritual heritage that you and I can pass on to our children. And you know what? It may mean that we as fathers have to say, listen, family, I have not done this right. And so I'm asking for your forgiveness. But from this point forward, let's move together and grow together our faith in Christ as a family. Does that make sense? And so, so this is what he established. He said, fathers, I want you to pass this on so that generation after generation after generation knows who God is and knows his ways. See, in these verses uh, 5 and 6, there are five generations of people. So that's a lot of years going on. Five generations. And, and so you can see the importance of why Asaph was sharing this with the people of Israel. I mean, just think for a moment. Think about your own personal self right now and think five generations later. That's almost 160 years later. And if you say, man, my life and the trajectory of my life right now, five generations later, they would still be following Christ. Just think about that for a minute. I was asking myself that question. Five generations from now, the Hill family lineage, will they still be following Jesus? Like I followed Jesus. There may be some adjustments that I need to make in my life in order to make that happen. And so, philosopher uh, George Santana, I think I said that right. Well, we'll just say philosopher George. Uh, He said that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. In other words, he was saying, listen, there are past mistakes if you don't look back. At how not to do things, you'll keep repeating that same cycle over and over again. And you can probably think of cycles, uh, generational cycles that are in your family that you're like, yep, unhealthy, unhealthy, unhealthy. And that's, that's what he's saying here. He says, Asaph's saying, okay, let's remember this. This is what? It's important. And because it's important, we have to remember how not to do it. Let's not, and we're going to look at verse 8 in just a second. Let's not be like the generations before you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in church, and we were there every time the doors were open. My dad was a deacon, and my mom played the piano, and we were there whether we liked it or not. And, uh, and so, in my heart and mind, I was like, well, it's, we just have to be there. It's just something you do. And so, I, I walked away from, from church, but I really, who I walked away was, was from God when I got out of high school. I'm like, done. I am done. And so I I began to live my life the way I wanted to live my life. But it wasn't until 22 years old where I I found a community of believers that said, you know, it's not about the thing you do. It's about the one who's done it for you. It changed my life completely. And so at 22 years old, I said, you know what? I know all the right sayings. I know all the right songs. I know how to dress. But I want my heart to change. And it was then that I truly believe in my heart of hearts that my personal relationship with Jesus Has it been easy? No. Because following Jesus isn't easy. But it's rewarding because we know the end. Jesus wins. He will come to rule and reign forever. I don't know where you are with that, but that excites me. But it had to come to a place where I said it's not about just the doing. It's about what's been done. And so what we need to look at for you and I is is let's look at our spiritual. Let's see that that Scripture were God's words to us, and that the Old Testament is always pointing to Jesus. And and when when we get to the New Testament, we see that fleshed out, no pun intended, but God in skin came to this earth to say, this is how much I love humankind, And I will give up my life for humanity who will turn their back on me, who will reject me, who will want anything to do with me. And what what I see here is that, that the good news is not fake news. It's God's story that was being written for you and I. And that invitation to his story is for you today. If you have not said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, today God's saying you can follow me. You can say that I've done things my way as I did. And I've come to the place where the way I did things separated me from a holy God. But yet, because of Christ's work on the cross, I commit to following him. And if that's where you are today, I would love for you to talk to Gibson or myself about what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And and not only is it good news, the good news of salvation, but it's good news for our lives today. Because there are things that each and every one of us are dealing with today. There are things that you probably came with on your heart and in your mind that you came to church today. There is good news today. Are you with me? Amen. So, so in verse 7, the question is really why was it important to pass it on? Why was ASAP even bothering sharing this? Well, because it says, so that they. In other words, the next generation would what? put their hope in God they wouldn't put their hope in a group of people they wouldn't put their hope in God and the next thing that was going to happen it was that they were putting their hope in the one true God who can set them free and again he goes on to remind them remember what's been done and don't forget it you know probably many of you here today probably have family stories that you share don't you none of you okay maybe some of you But, you know, I would remember my mom would say, you remember this person? No. No, you remember this person on our block? No. But she would always tell the story anyway, whether I remembered it or not. But but we have family stories. We have memories of what our lives and our childhood were like or or whatever that may look like for you. But this is, again, what ASAP is saying. I'm telling you this so that the next group of people will say it's in God. Now, for you and I, it's in the hope of the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And, and, and what he says is that this is what my heart is for, so that they put their hope in God. But here's what my heart is not for. Because verse 8 concludes with, so that they should not be. What? They should not be like the previous generations who were stubborn, who were rebellious, who kept turning their back on God. And God kept proving himself faithful time and time and time and time, and time again. And you can see it in the Old Testament. Old Testament. God frees them from the Exodus. Then they whine about what they couldn't or couldn't eat. Then they whined about this to Moses. Then they whined about that. And then, and then out of all those millions of people, only Joshua is crossing into the promised land. Can you imagine that? Generation after generation. It says that with the Exodus, it could have took them, taken them six days to get there. But yet 40 years because they just walked around in circles because they chose to be stubborn, the hearts just weren't in the right place. Are you with me there? That's what, that's what ASAP's trying to get across. It's a heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of your motives. It's a matter of your intentions. Because we can say all the right Jesus things. We can sing all the right Jesus songs. But it's here. Because Jesus even said, your heart, in your heart, you're so far away from me. And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a heart that says, I'll go with you, And so Asaph is saying, listen, this is what we want to see. We don't want to see families continuing to turn their back on God. We want to begin to to buck that trend. We want to begin to say, "Let's, let's see what God can do if we truly allow him to work. And that's our prayer for Redemption 1010. We're praying that the next gen, in other words, the next young couples, the next young families, how can we get them to go from a life that they say, this is all we've ever known. And it's just hopeless to a place of hope in Jesus. To a place where they say, I'm going to love my family. I'm not going to walk away from my family. I'm going to choose to do right when everybody else is choosing to do what's normal. That's not normal. God never intended us to have a life that was so broken and and far away from him. And so that's for you and I. And and I hope and pray that that's your prayer for your circle of fluence as well. Because Asaph was reminding the people that, the generations before us, when it got hard, they turned and run. There was only a few that would say, I'll stand for the living God. And you can see that throughout the Old Testament. I mean, David is a prime example. You're making fun of my God. Everybody else in this army is, is copping out, but I will go and face him. So you, so you with me there? That's, that's, that's Asaph's heart desire. That's my heart's desire, not just for Redemption 1010, but for my family. For the church, the church with a big C, that we can move forward together and be people who continue to say it's in Jesus that I'm alive. And so with these verses in your outline, I want you to, to put this down. Know and remember to know and remember. First Peter one, beginning of verse 18 says, you know that in the past you were living in a worthless way. Away, passed down from the people who lived before you. But you were saved from that useless life. That's an amen right there. And uh, you were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but the precious blood of Christ who is like the pure and perfect lamb. Isn't that great? Even Peter in the New Testament is reminding us, you used to live this way, but now because of the grace of God and Christ's work on the cross, we can live in true freedom. And we can say each time that we're tempted to just go back to how we were, that's not who I am anymore. And it's the Spirit of God who resides in us that gives us the power to live for Him. And it's when we begin to live in the Spirit, in the flow of the Spirit, rather than in the flow of ourselves. Because we're going to have it. And you may say, well, why do I keep ending up this way? Because we choose to live for self. That's what Asaph was saying. The previous generations lived for self, but let's let the next generations know to live for God. Not going to be easy, but it will be rewarding. And God will bless us for our faithfulness and our obedience. I remember when we, we went and church planted in, in Toronto and our pastor said to us, he said, listen, God is more concerned with our obedience than our comfort. And, and why I share that with us is because wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're an adult, whether you're retired, whether you're just getting out of school, it doesn't matter. God is looking for us to be obedient. He's given us what we need for life and Godliness. We know these things, but it's what we do in them. I used to tell my kids, what you say and what you do are two different things. And God will remind me, Jeff, what you say and what you do are two different things. And so we want to live that life that says, I want to be remembered for this. You know, what are the, you know? I think about the, the generation, our, well, I'll just say our culture today. What do we want to be remembered for? And, and so do we want to be remembered for being tech nuts? Do we want to be remembered for fidget spinners? Do we want to be remembered for Snapchat? I mean, this is what the next generations are going to see. Not saying these things are wrong in and of themselves, but what do we want to be remembered for? Do we want to be remembered that, you know, we showed up to church every once in a while? Or do we want to be remembered that no matter what, this individual loved God with everything that they are, whether they were a believer or a non-believer. If people were to say something about your life five years from now, what would they say about you? How would you be remembered? Because these are the things that we're going to be known for. I'm guilty. I don't do the fidget spinner thing or Snapchat, but you know. But what I'm trying to say is is that just as Asaph said, generation, let's get this right for once. Let's move forward with God. I am saying to you today, let's move forward with Jesus. Let's follow him with our lives. Let's choose to say yes, no matter what. And so I began by asking the question when it comes to passing it on, how do I become a voice in a generation? How do I become a voice in a generation? I want to share two things with you that have been helpful for me as I'm still trying to get this right too. We're all on this journey, right? I don't have it all together. And, uh, and so the first is this, is that lean in to Jesus. We want to lean into Jesus. John 14 verse 1 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So Jesus is saying, listen, it's got to come here first before it can go out. That's the one thing I learned when I took a preaching course. It said that it's got to register here before you can ever give it to anyone else. Because if I'm just up here, just blah, blah, blah. How are we going to relate? How, how are you going to say, well, Jeff has no idea what I'm going through? Well, it has to hit here. It has to hit here. I have two daughters. And I, like I shared with you just moments ago, if I could go back and do it over again, I would do it over again. But I had to ask forgiveness and move forward. And now my daughters are at a place in life where I'm guiding them in their adulting years. Are you with me? But I can still have the opportunity to instill godly values and principles into their lives. What an opportunity you young families have for your kids to instill those things today. So it's got to go in us before it can go out. And, and as I said before, life's going to come at us. And the next generation is watching how we respond to those things coming at us. So I know that in my own life, there's things that my my daughter... And daughters mimic I do or mimic what my wife does because that's what they were taught. And so that's what, what we can do is you and I can lean into Jesus. We lean into him and understand that we have to look to the source first. Not self-help, not all those other stuff. We have to lean into the source that gives us life. You know, for me, my daily prayer each morning as I go to go to work is this, God because you're God and I'm not I trust in the plan that you have for me I live in the excuse me, and I have hope for the promise you've given me and I believe your word because it's true without you I'm nothing, and why do I share that with you, because I have to lean into Jesus every day every day, I'm not saying that you know, you have to have a daily prayer but that's just something I was challenged with by the generation before me today. And so, so again, let's remember, lean into him because he's the one that's going to hold us together. And the promise he gives us, I will be with you until the end of this age. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forget you. He's going to be with you always. Isn't that beautiful to know that truth? Well, if we lean into Jesus to become a voice in a generation, the second is this. We want to live out Jesus. We lean into Jesus and we live out Jesus. Why? Because it's a process of inside out. It's an inside-out process and transformation. When we live out Jesus, here's a truth that we can lean into. Romans 8:31 says, "What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Nothing can take a, us away from the love of God. Nothing. You know It goes on to say, height, death, angels, demons, it doesn't matter. We cannot be taken away from the love of God. Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. That's so beautiful. And, and what I love is, is, and I shared this a few moments ago, but I want to remind us, don't buy into the, the notion that following Christ is just easy. Once I come to Jesus, everything's going to be fine. No, everything's not going to be fine. As I disciple the younger guys in my life, they, they'll come to me and say, why is this still going on? I say, what's the difference between you then and now? Christ is in my life now. I said, there's a difference. And that's all the difference you need to remember that you can walk through this life with Christ. Because when it was before, you always decided to do things your way, and you thought you knew all the answers, and now you have the answer. Again, going back to the source, that's that's what's different. And it's it's not just, yeah, I have Jesus. No, it's here to say he is my Jesus. He is my king. He is my Lord. He is my savior. And I want to live for him. You know, one of the things, uh, Elijah is going to help me here. I've asked him to do something really hard today. I've asked him to do some cartwheels up front. No, I didn't, Elijah. Come on up, there. So, why I, if you can hold this rubber band, you can face everybody. You can even smile if you want. Don't be nervous. They know you. Um, and why I have him hold this rubber band, can you stretch it as far as you can? So, just, it, just for a moment, when we talk about living out Jesus, right? If this rubber band represented eternity, Think about that for a second. This rubber band represents eternity because as followers of Christ, we will celebrate Jesus forever when he comes and returns. Now, for those of us who haven't placed faith in Jesus Christ, the reality is is that we will be separated from God forever. And my heart is that you choose Jesus so that you can celebrate him forever. But if this is the rubber band that represents eternity, just think about our lives for a second. Think about that for a second. Probably some of you are like, I can't even see that. Well, that's the point. Our lives are just a tick mark in light of eternity. Just think about that for a second. Our lives are just a tick mark in light of eternity. And so, thanks, Elijah. You can keep that rubber band. Oh, thanks, Jeff. That's great. <laughs> May it be a reminder to you, you're a tick mark. Uh, wait, that didn't sound right. But why did I share that? It's because, listen, our lives are just... And what are we going to do? As Gandalf said in The Lord of the Rings, it's what you do with the time that you have. It's what we do with the time we have. Do we live with a sense of urgency? I'm not saying that you're on the street corner with a bullhorn and yelling at everybody that they're wrong. And but what I'm saying is, what are you doing with the time that you have? How are you investing your moments in the next generation? How are you? How are you being such a godly example in your home, at your job, you know, uh, in, in where you? Have extracurricular activities those are the things that we have to ask when it comes to living out our faith in jesus christ and and really the truth is each and every one of us in this room has to make a decision each day to do so you know because we'll get up in the morning i don't know about you but there's times when i hear the alarm go off i check my phone we have to decide to go brush our teeth we have to decide to shower we have to decide to get out the door and so it's the same with our spiritual lives But what if we began to live in such a way that we say, God, whatever it is, I'm with you. Whatever you want, God, is what I want. Because I want to be one to pass it on. And so when we we look at this passage, we see that Asaph is reminding the people, don't forget because you know. And if you know, continue to live in such a way that the generation and generation and generation afterwards will know the goodness of God and choose to live Him. I want to, again, challenge you to read Psalm 78 today. Or not today, but this week sometime. And really look at the rest of this passage. But just God put on my heart to do these, these eight verses. Because I know here at Ridgeline, family is important, isn't it? And so, again, even if you don't have children... You know, as you're a kid here, you're like, ah, oh, no kids. But here's what I'm trying to say. You know what? Someone's always watching us, aren't they? doesn't matter if you're a parent or not. Someone is always watching every move we make. And so what would it look like if we began to be a people who lived Jesus out in such a way that, that others would say, I want you to pass that on to me? In your outline, there's, a, there's one last line there it says, I have decided to. I have decided to. Because this morning we've been talking about passing it on. And so maybe for you today, as you've been listening to what God has been saying, maybe for you today I've decided to invest in someone else. And maybe I have decided to bring someone who's older and wiser into my life. Or I have decided to, listen family, I've done this wrong, dads. Uh, I've done this wrong, and I want to lead us in a godly way. Whatever that I've decided to is. You may not have something right now, but maybe today or in the next couple of days, you begin to meditate on that. and say, God, what is it that I need to do so that I can pass this on? Because in I love how Romans began in chapter 1. It says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. So what does the next generation and the next generation look like in your life? What are those things that, and habits and patterns of behavior that you begin to say, that's not what I want for my next gen? What is it that you are going to decide to do with the time that you have? Remember, you and I have a great privilege to broadcast God's story. But it begins here so that we can pass on. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so good. And God, I know that I don't get it right all the time. And I know, God, that there are things still in my life, at my age, that you're still nudging me on to say it's time to be changed and renewed and transformed. But God, we thank you word. We thank you, God, that it is still true today as it was then. And thank you, Jesus, that you are yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I pray for for Ridgeline Community Church, that they would be a church that says, no matter what, we're going with God, because God will always be there. God is faithful, and there's nothing that can separate us from his love. And I pray, Lord, that we would take serious the words of of Asaph today that we would choose to see generation after generation after generation saying they've turned their hearts to God. They've lived for God. They gave their lives for the cause of Christ. So Father, whatever you need to do in our hearts and our lives this morning, you have our permission to do so. And finally, Lord, if there are those here today who are hearing the good news of Jesus and it registers in their heart and in their lives. I pray, God, that they would say, I'm going to follow you. I've come to a place and I realize that my sin has separated me from a holy God. But today I see that Jesus came to this world and gave him his life for me. Because of his grace and his love and his mercy. And I accept his lordship in my life. And I want to follow him for the rest of my life. Pray that salvation would be today. That another another individual, whoever it may be, is written into the story of God. And lastly, Lord, we know we can't do this without you. So Father, whatever needs to be passed on, we know you will give us the strength you tell us to come to you. So here we are. We ask these things to